Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTO Resource Q&A. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Kim Swanson. And we have a very special guest today, don't we, Brian? Yes, we've got Jung Lee, Deputy Director of ASHTO, here to talk to us once again about the IIJA, which is the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which was signed into law about a year ago from today's recording. So it was uh, November 15th, 2021. So we've had a year of time pass between when this law was uh, was signed and there have been all sorts of questions and comments and progress made on implementation, some interesting things available on uh, federal websites about the different kind of projects that are being funded that we will put links to on this episode. One in particular that I was excited about was this map where you can see all of these projects that were funded throughout the country and you can really see where the money is going. So that is really cool. So look for that on our website. But Jung, welcome to the podcast again. That was the longest intro I think I've ever provided without letting a guest speak. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me back. Really great to see you guys again. Yeah. So so I'm going to ask you just a couple quick questions about it. This is just a progress checkup on this bill implementation from what you've seen. But I would like to cover the, the good and the not so good parts of it. So, so let's start with the good news. What, from what you've seen, can you just give us an example of anything that's go, been going particularly well with the implementation of the IIJA? Sure. So there are a couple of clear themes in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and uh, you know, I would say resilience and climate change is one. And as a subset of that effort is on electric vehicle infrastructure deployment. And we've seen really great progress, especially with the submission of the EV infrastructure deployment plans by every single state, all 50 states, plus D.C. Uh, and Puerto Rico by the August 1st, uh, 2022 deadline. So it was a very aggressive timeline for all of our state DOT members to work on. Uh, and then at the end of September, U.S. DOT went ahead and approved those EV plans for all 50 states. Uh, plus DC and Puerto Rico, and that really enables all the states to then now uh, have access to $5 billion uh, in funding under the National Electric Vehicle uh, Infrastructure, what we call NEVI uh, formula program. And that kind of progress uh, being able to be made so quickly in a sphere where things do take many years uh, when it comes to infrastructure is just a really great start to see. That's great. And now, for those who are not as excited or enthralled with uh, the use of electric vehicles, can you just give an example of what the benefit is of building out that infrastructure for electric vehicles? Absolutely. So you look at both kind of the light duty vehicles, a lot of them, you know, passenger cars that I think what most people will be thinking about, but it has a huge impact also when it comes to freight movement and uh, transit, right? So you look at the electric buses, you look at electric trucks, and when you combine all of that with personal vehicle miles traveled, uh, the more that you can have on the EV side, uh, it would make a dr dramatic uh, you know, impact 
in reducing greenhouse gas emissions coming uh, from the transportation sector, which is one of the three biggest uh, producers of greenhouse gas emissions uh, in the U.S., uh, I would say, along with industry uh, and uh, electric power generation. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I know a lot of people are interested in kind of putting energy in our hands more, right? Like uh, being able to produce power and having a stronger national position uh, or, or more energy independence. And I think uh, electric gives us an opportunity to to have a better position there too. So there's a lot of positives to speak about. Now let's talk about something that has been a little bit more challenging with uh, the implementation. Uh, what what are people talking about now? What are the problems that they're trying to solve? I mean, you can just talk about one of them that that comes to mind because I know there's a lot to cover in the bill on the both the the good side where things have been going great and there's a lot of improvements and things that have taken a little bit more work to get to. Uh, so what comes to mind when you think about challenges associated with implementation? Yeah, so, you know, the infrastructure law came with sky high expectations. Um, and one of the requirements in the law is to expand Buy America requirements, which require state and local agencies to buy certain materials that are made in the U.S. Uh, if the project is funded with federal dollars. And so you're looking at requirements where, you know, iron, steel and manufactured products be made in the U.S. And they've typically applied, to, uh, you know, to the transportation sector for a while, but now it's broadened the scope, both sector wise, looking at housing, broadband uh, and EV charging infrastructure as well, but also creating a whole new category of uh, materials, uh, what they call construction materials, in addition to manufactured products that have been affected by this provision for a long time. And, you know, it's something where no state uh, would, you know, say that they don't uh, support the expansion of America's manufacturing capacity, uh, promoting our domestic jobs. Ultimately, you know, all of this supports economic growth. And certainly AASHTO has conveyed our strong support for the intent of Buy America and its expanded requirements. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've been uh, talking to Congress, uh, the administration, that there has to be a deliberative process for implementing Buy America um, so that you can still get the projects that make the difference you know, as quickly as we can, again, to meet the very high expectations of the infrastructure bill and really not, you know, cause any undue disruptions on program and project deliveries to uh, the transportation agencies, including state DOTs. So that's been an area where, you know, there are definitely trade-offs involved where, you know, if you want to focus on domestic capacity buildup, especially in manufacturing, you just wouldn't be able to do as much in the meantime and you're losing kind of that opportunity again to put the dollars to work as quickly as possible. So it's been a tough one, uh, but we're hoping that, you know, that right balance uh, can be found to meet all of the goals that Congress intended under the IJA. Yeah, that has been a hot topic on the materials side too. I mean, this has been a really important discussion for the Departments of Transportation on how they can 
make the improvements they want to make, you know, how they can uh, make sure they're fulfilling the obligation that they have to improve what they have and to to build new infrastructure. Uh, Things, you know, you look at any products that exist and it's complicated, right? It's not like you're not buying just a, a chunk of wood or 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 just a piece of rock or something like that that you're like okay well that i can i know where that's from right so then you're looking at especially when you're talking about electric vehicle infrastructure you're talking about all these components exactly. could be from different places and then just building materials too i mean you've got cements coming from all over the place and aggregates and other things that people like to put into the roads uh, that may be neither of those things, and the DOTs all have to figure out how to do it. Um, so, so yeah, that that is. Uh, it also kind of addresses the issue that I I never really knew before being involved in this industry. Uh, the importance of rulemaking. So it's like you know you get a law and you're like okay mission accomplished right, mm-hmm. and then it's like okay well it's written very vaguely and it doesn't address all of these specific details that the people who actually have to implement it understand very well, but the people who wrote it may they may know a little bit about it but they don't know all the ins and outs. So then you've got this rulemaking process, and can you just give us a little insight in, into how that works at a federal agency? Yeah, so Congress sets the overall parameters, right, through uh, legislative text. And like you said, Brian, I mean, there are a lot of considerations that have to be taken into account when you're actually trying to carry out that congressional intent. And that's where the executive branch agency, you know, um, rules, policies, guidance, they all have kind of differing levels of authority associated with it, but ultimately it's to help understand what we're all trying to do here. Uh, One of the discussions that have taken place in IIJA is that some folks in Congress feel that the administration has taken greater liberties than they would like to see with, you know, interpretation of some of the congressional text or doing things that are not specifically called for in IIJA. And I guess on the flip side, not carrying out what is called for in the IIJA as quickly or as robustly as they want it to see happen. So that tension, to some extent, is always going to be there between legislative and executive branches. And I think, you know, what matters so much uh, on the Hill in terms of how to figure it all out is, you know, the practitioner perspective. Uh, that the AASHTO's state DOT members provide, because that really kind of cuts through a lot of the theoretical and the ideological and just gets down to like, hey, this really works uh, and works better or it's not going to work. Yeah, and I love it. I love the way the DOTs work, too, how they 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 often are looking to get people involved outside of their agencies, too. So they they think about the people doing the work and building you know making whatever the products are the people who are installing or or building with those materials and they often have there are often other associations that uh support those industries as well and there's typically conversations going on and and back and forth all the way around uh so that that we can get an optimal situation it, that's yeah. what we hope for at least so 
that makes me feel good as a uh, as a taxpayer uh, that there are those uh, structures in place. So I appreciate you taking the time with us today to talk about how things are going, and I, I hope we can can check in later on and continue these discussions to see how things are going. I know that there are still some unanswered questions out there, uh, but is there is there anything, any final words of optimism uh, or or just <laughs> doesn't have to be optimism, uh, just just any final words on on this topic that you'd like to to let our listeners know about? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you mentioned earlier about how we're approaching the one year anniversary of the infrastructure law. It is a marathon. It is for five years. And so we do have four more years to go that we can keep checking in on how things are coming along. Um, and I would say that there is a certain gradual ramp up curve associated with this stuff. So I'm hoping that, you know, by year two and especially years three and four, uh, we'll be going kind of gangbusters here on the bail implementation side. So it should be even more exciting times ahead. OK, that sounds great. I look forward to having those discussions. Yeah, well, I have to keep checking with you in uh, in November. Uh, to see how things are going. So so thanks again for your time, John. I uh, appreciate it as always. All right, really great to see you guys. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.